Answer me this. Are you a morning person? Maybe an afternoon person? Perhaps you're a night owl. Perhaps you feel like you never really get, get moving. Well, regardless of how you would classify yourself, you deserve to have a morning routine that serves you, that sets you up for success. Now, before you, you start rolling your eyes and go, oh, I've, I've heard all about the morning routine stuff and all the things that we're all supposed to do and journal and meditate and yoga, and I just don't have time for that or I don't like it. Guess what? That is not what I'm going to tell you. Instead, I am thrilled to tell you about my annual free event coming up called Master Your Morning. And over the course of five days, 30 minutes or less each day, I'm going to teach you how to create your own unique morning routine based on two things, your unique personality type, and secondly, the realities of your home life, right? You may not have a lot of time for a morning routine, and that's what this free workshop is all about. So if you want to come join, head over to megansumrall.com forward slash master your morning. And I promise you at the end of it, you are going to have a completely different relationship with the morning. If you are a mom, whether you are working from home or not, you need to focus in and truly listen. The fact that I was able to have Rachel Bailey here today on this podcast is going to be a game changer for all of you that are listening, especially right now in the middle of our quarantine and pandemic. The nuggets that she is sharing with you today all around specifically her top five tips on how to be able to still work from home while your kids are home without all of you wanting to strangle each other by the end of the day, along with some amazing tweaks to how you juggle and really manage your expectations. I guarantee you this episode is going to be a massive game changer for you immediately. I already am implementing three things that I learned talking with Rachel and I'm seeing tremendous results. So definitely grab pencil and paper out. This is an episode you may want to come back and listen to again more than once so that you can really focus in and write down all the incredible tips that she is sharing. I'm super excited for you all to listen to this. Welcome to the Work-Life Harmony Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Sumrall. I'm a former techie turned entrepreneur. I'm also a mom and a wife. And just like you, I'm juggling hashtag all the things while running multiple businesses and a family. Being a successful female entrepreneur doesn't mean you have to feel overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed out. Gaining control of your time and calendar is all about learning a few key techniques and systems to better organize and structure your time. This is your show to learn from me and other amazing women how to master your time and organization to skyrocket your productivity so you can have work-life harmony. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Work-Life Harmony. Today, I'm I'm already so excited because I know I'm going to walk away with so many amazing nuggets and tips I'll be able to start using today. So we have Rachel Bailey here today. She is an expert in all things parenting. And given the climate that we're in right now, I know we were just talking before we started recording this. I'm like, my biggest goal, which is sad to say, is if I can make it to five o'clock without wanting to like strangle my child and actually be in a healthy mental place with the quarantine and all that that's going on. I'm kind of calling that a win, but I would like to do a little bit better 
better than just say I survived. So Rachel, welcome. Why don't you introduce yourself, tell everyone about your incredible background, and then we will, we will start our conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be here. So my background is very simply, first of all, I'm a mom. I have a a first and fourth grader, which is odd that we're kind of naming grades, even though grades are like sort of more irrelevant than ever. But so they're seven and 10 years old. And in addition to being a mom, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology and have been in the field for a number of years. The first part of my career, this is maybe 15 years ago now, I was actually working directly with children and adolescents. And I was an ADHD coach for many, many years. I was what's called an intensive in-home mentor. So I was going into people's homes, like kind of like the super nanny. I was going to say super nanny. Yes, I was doing that. I wasn't on that show, but I was doing a little bit of that. I was going to people's homes and helping with the family dynamics. And then I was also trained as a traditional therapist. But what happened was a few years into my career, I realized parents kept asking me for these really practical tips. So they'd say, it's great that you're working with my child or my teen, but like, what do I do when, you know, they're not doing their homework or they're not staying in bed or they're not getting their shoes on and they're missing the bus? And then also like, what do I do the more serious questions when they're anxious or they're not motivated? And so I started working with parents, this is about 10 years ago now, and doing these workshops and really providing these practical tools. And I found that there was such a hunger for it. And then I became a parent and realized why. Like, we all need to know what to say and what to do, yet what works is not what's intuitive. So I love my job because I get to break down the behavior and emotions in a way that makes sense, but it's not what we're naturally doing. Oh, I love that. And I know... You know, I've shared some of my journey as a parent because I've got, you know, my daughter really battles sensory and anxiety significantly. And all the things that intuitively come to me to do in certain situations, when I go meet with a professional about it, basically I find out I do absolutely everything wrong. Like everything that is intuitive to me is nine times out of 10, the polar opposite of what I should be doing and the right way to kind of coach and parent through that. So we need, I think every parent needs somebody like you in their corner and a resource to go to. Well, in your defense, I think the way we were parented, you know, doesn't necessarily work on this generation of kids. So the way we were parented was one way. And then we try those things on this generation and it doesn't work. And so it's not that your instinct is bad or wrong. It's just things are different now. And that's what we have to explore. That's interesting. We could probably talk about that for about five Mm -hmm. hours. You know, at the time we're recording this, because you never know when someone's catching the podcast, we are still, you know, heavy in the middle of the pandemic. Everyone's quarantined. I know I'm on launching into week five of now still trying to, you know, keep my businesses running while taking on homeschooling. And we're all here together. Patience has never been one of my particular strong suits. Me neither. (laughs) I'll be blunt with that. And I'm finding, and I know so many other people are as well, that in my heart, I'm doing this, oh, we have this cherished opportunity, this time here together. Isn't this great? And I I want that. But my reality is I'm looking at my watch by mid-afternoon every day, like, dear God, how much longer till bedtime? Because I just, I just can't. So would love to just kind of open end it there and just what can you tell us as some some good tips for maintaining our calm 
maintaining some semblance of patience, (laughs) anything that you've got to help us not feel like we're just getting through every day, but can actually have a smile on our face at the end of it. Absolutely. So I think there are two things to think about when, when it comes to how do we get through our days more effectively. First is how we are doing. And second is how can we motivate different things in our kids? And those are two topics that are completely overlapped. Like we have to think about both, but I would love to give you tips for both. Awesome. Okay. So the first thing is so cliche, but it is so important that right now the expectations we have for the way the day is supposed to go are really unfinding, making us less patient, more unhappy. So the first place we have to start is expectations for ourselves. What I have found, because I've been helping parents since, you know, day one where they're freaking out, is that things shifted, but our expectations on ourselves and our kids increased. We didn't shift our expectations. We increased our expectations. Interesting. So what I think the first thing we need to do is check what do we expect ourselves to get done as far as work, as far as, you know, patience levels. What are we expecting? Because here's what happens. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording, and I'm just going to mention it really briefly. I was studying before I got pregnant with my first daughter to be a neuropsychologist. So everything I talk about is brain-based. I really understand the brain. So I'm going to explain things a little bit about the brain. When we have a certain expectation that maybe we'll get five hours of work done or eight hours of work done, and we don't, our brain senses that as a threat, and we actually go into our fight-or-flight response. Mm -hmm. And when we are in fight-or-flight, That's when we lose patience. That's when we lose calm. That's when everything everybody does irritates us. So one of the things we have to do, right, that sounds familiar, that's an example of what I call yuck. Yuck is a term I use to describe when we're in fight or flight. So when we are in this place of yuck, we are not calm, patient. We are very annoyed with everyone around us. And one of the first things to do to reduce your yuck is to check your expectations. And I'm not saying to lower them to the point where you're like, ah, everyone can do whatever they want. But I'm saying make them appropriate to this situation. So think about, can you really get eight hours of work done? Can you really expect your kids, you know, to be off of their screens all, you know, as much as they were before? And the answer is no, they probably need more screen time. Can you expect your, the siblings to fight, like never fight? No, probably not. So when they fight, you don't immediately have to go into fight or flight. So expectations are huge. And one of the, all about practical tips, so I'll always give you practical tips One of the suggestions I have is number one, to maybe even write down what are your expectations and and you may not even be aware of them. So write them down and that'll help you become more aware and then check them and say, are they realistic right now? Can they happen? And if not, what I suggest is creating what I call a later list where you can re, you know, you can bring those expectations back later after we're all back to normal. You can, re- you can re-examine your expectations and then say, maybe I'll shift them back then. But for now, you have to shift them with the times. So it's the first I, thing. That is really powerful because it's very similar to something I've been working with a lot of my clients on right now. But there's a little piece you added there that I have not been including, which is that expectation part. So I'm telling everyone right now, saying, but more the task list. Yes. There are all the things you want to get done. And now realistically, pick one One that you're going to say, if I get that done today, I'm calling today a win. Whereas before this hit, you probably would have knocked eight of them off on your list. So I've been good with myself on lowering my expectations on tasks. But what I'm realizing, listening to you, what I have not been good about 
is my expectations of how I am as a parent and how I show up for my, like, like the screen time example, I'm over here going now, how can I be homeschool mom of the year and have, you know, 10 minutes of screen time. I'm realizing that's an expectation. I need to include that in my list and say, maybe I'm going to be willing to let some of that go right now as well. I, I love that. And let me give a quick tip too, for screen time. That's again, really practical. Before we used to say, okay, I want my kids to be on screens maybe for two hours a day or whatever your number was, 30 minutes, two hours. We have to shift that. Now, maybe your expectation is I want them to be off of screens for three hours. And during those three hours, we're going to make sure that they're, I'm going to try to make sure that they're doing X, Y, Z, but don't say two hours anymore if that's not realistic for you. Have them off screens for a certain amount of time rather than on screens. And that can actually give you so much relief. And that's the goal here because when your brain senses it's safe, that's when you are patient and calm and not irritated with everybody. You need this sense of, I can handle it and I'm going to be okay. As soon as your brain senses a threat, you will go into that place of yuck and all the version of yourself you don't like. Hey there, if you are feeling overwhelmed, like your calendar is out of control, like you are just running against a race that will never end in terms of your to-do list, I have a great news for you. I have just done a complete update on my app. Yes, I have an app in both the App Store and Google Play called The Pink Bee, and it is chock full of small but incredibly powerful trainings to help you get out of overwhelm. It includes my signature Ditch the Overwhelm training, an introduction to my time management framework. It can help get you started on weekly planning, helps you understand the four levels of planning, gives you access to my epic One Notebook Challenge, and some tips and tricks on how to get your phone organized. And all of that is available for you right inside the Pink Bee app. So open up either your app store or Google Play, do a search on the Pink Bee, all one word, download the app. And then to unlock all of that training, it's only $4.99 US. I will see you inside the app. Awesome. Now let me ask you, because I know you are a specialist on ADHD stuff. What suggestions do you have? I know I noticed with my daughter, more screen time equals unhealthy behaviors because I know with the sensory stuff with her brain, that's not great. Do you have any strategies on how to break that up for kids that are more ADHD prone or that you know, any parents that notice negative behaviors when there is more screen time than desired, how to maybe break that up or, or yeah, it, that. and it, so the, one of the reasons that the behavior is negative is because their brains get really stimulated mm-hmm. and their bodies don't. So when they come off of it, like their bodies are like, you know, they're buzzing with energy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So one of the things you can think about is making sure, and I'll tell you how to do this because this can be hard because they resist this, but making sure that when they get off of screens, they're going to something that allows them to release that energy And the way I suggest doing that, because if you suggest this, they're going to say, no, I don't want to, because they just, here's the thing. They just came from the huge dopamine hits of being on the screen. And then you're saying, go out and run around. And there are a lot of reasons that's hard. Transitions are hard for kids with ADHD. They feel like that running around outside isn't going to be as much of a dopamine hit. So here are a couple of ways to implement this. I'll give you two. Number one is have your child be involved with the plan. Instead of saying, I want you when you're off of screens to go run outside, say, what do you think you should do when you're off of screens to get rid to, you know, deal with all of this energy? So have them come up with a suggestion. And the other thing that I suggest is make it 
a natural, like make these two things go together every single time. So yes, you can be on screens. And as soon as you get off of screens, you always do this physical thing to move your body because the more consistent we are, especially with kids with ADHD, the more consistent we are and their brains just know, okay, screens go off, my body moves, the less resistance you will get. So you give them control and you, you create this sort of natural link between those two consistently and that can help a lot. I love that. That's giving me an idea. We're, we've been doing a walk every day together for a walk or run for PE time. And I'm not realizing I'm going to shift that to right after one of her awesome. virtual things is now. In, and I haven't been doing it that way, but I can see that's going to be a huge win. So yeah. And what I would do when you present this to her is instead of saying, Hey, we're going to do this walk, say, give her some control. So I think we're going to do this walk afterwards. Where do you want to go during that walk? Yes. How long do you want it to be? Because if you're just saying we're doing this, you're going to get more resistance. She picks, she picks a new path every day. So she guides our walk. I've been surprisingly enjoying it. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah, make that shift. I would love to hear how that goes. Yeah, I will. Okay, awesome. So that's kind of talking expectations. And you said you had another category. Yeah, so the other piece, and I could talk about what we do for our mindset. That's like, honestly, 60% of the work I do with parents is our mindset. But right. a couple of things that I think can help to as far as motivating better behavior in kids, because that's the other 40% of what I do, is I deal with kids' behavior and kids' emotion. So I work with a lot of parents whose kids have big emotions. So just a couple things. Yeah, exactly. I have has all the things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So just keep in mind that kids do best when they are engaged. So kids' brains are wired for stimulation, novelty, and engagement stimulation, novelty, and engagement. And this is not just ADHD. This is actually a neurotypical child's brain. They want stimulation, engagement, and novelty. So we kind of need to use this to our advantage. And if you realize that, let's say you want to get some work done. And I actually have five tips for how to get work done, but you probably are sharing those too, Megan. And I, I believe that you're probably giving that to your audience. But one of the things I just want to add is if you want to get something done, if you try to leave and they haven't started something, they're not engaged with something yet, you're going to get a lot more pushback. And if yep. you actually start them in a task, have them engaged, and then you leave. That is so true. I've never vocalized that, but as soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah, once I get her set, Correct. I have a better chance of actually starting without 20 moms in the first. Correct. Because there's also this other piece called task initiation. Kids, again, not just ADHD, all kids struggle to initiate a task. But once they start it and they're engaged, you have bought yourself a whole bunch of time. Mm -hmm. versus saying, okay, I'm going to go in the office, you go play. They're not going to be, they don't know what play means. They don't, even if they know what they want to play, just that getting over the hump of starting can actually be really hard. So you start the minute, you're going to get some more, a lot more free time. That's, so that's awesome. sort of for behavior. Yep. Yep. All right. Now that you've said the five tips, we have to hear them because I probably haven't said them as well as you have. I, I'm sure that's not the case, but I actually have a free document too that Okay, good. Um, I mentioned to you and, and it's all written down, but here are the, the tips. So the, if you want to get work done, which I assume, you know, your audience does when your kids are yep. at home, first thing is make sure you have a time with your children that is set maybe once a week. That's it. Doesn't have to be more than that. Doesn't have to be every day, but it has to be predictable and consistent because the way kids' brains work is when they don't know when attention is coming, they're going to seek it all the time. But if they know that Sunday afternoon from 4 to 4.30 or 4 to 5 is my time, 
it's actually, it fulfills their brain and they know I'm going to get that one-on-one time. What's happened during the, this time is that we're spending more time with our kids, but we're paying less attention because we're with them all the time. So we've diluted our attention and they are craving it because it's diluted. So if you have that, that one time, and I suggest calling it by their name, you know, like I have a daughter, Emily, so I'll have Emily time. Then they know it's coming. That can help a lot to get work done. That's the first thing. The second thing is to create a visual, not now time, quote unquote, not now time. And that's a space or a way to tell your kids that when you are in that space, or maybe it's just like a red or green sticky right by you. So they know you can, you can come to me or not now. And I'm not saying that giving them that visual reminder that you're busy is the solution. But if you don't have that visual reminder, they're going to, you're free reign. I mean, then they can come to you anytime. So it might stop them a little bit. So that's number two. So number one was create that regular time. Number two is have that visual. Number three is tell them ahead of time what you're going to do if they do bother you. Or that's a bad word, but if they come up to you when you're, yeah. if they interrupt you, I like that one better. If they interrupt you, come up with a plan with them ahead of time. Again, give them some control too. I would say to them, okay, I'm going to put this, you know, red, red sticky or whatever it is. And there's hotel signs that say, do not disturb, whatever it is. That's what I was telling some of my clients to do was I have a DND that goes on the door that I, I use sparingly, but this is the legit, like, no. That's a good, good call too, to use sparingly if you can. Yeah, absolutely. So have that visual and then say to your child, assuming they're like three years old and above, they can do this. What do you think I should do if you come in and bother me during this time? So they have some control. They know what's going to happen. The expectations are set. And if you follow through with that a couple of times, their brains are going to get it. Their brains are going to know, hey, there there are no loopholes. This is what mom or dad is going to do every single time. So those are the first three. They're more of the proactive tips. It's uh, schedule the time, have a space, let them know what you're going to do. Then when you go into your space, Tip number four is let them know when you're going to be out, mm-hmm. but let them know based on their activities, not the clock. So you don't necessarily want to say two o'clock because that doesn't mean that much to them. Kids and teens are task oriented, not time oriented. That's why we get so frustrated with them when they don't hurry up when we want them to. That's huge. So, yeah. So if you say to them, I'm going to be out after you're done with your math homework or after you've eaten lunch or whatever it is, their brains know that. And the other piece of this is to say, if you need me beforehand and you give them some way to write down their question or, you know, whatever it is, you actually give them a strategy to use. Cause again, a lot of kids bother us because they have a question and they don't know what to do. Tell them what to do if they need you. So ultimately you're setting them up for success. Cause you're saying, this is when I'm going to be out. And this is what you need to do. If you come up with a question. And you've given them something to do. So for younger kids, they can draw a picture. For older kids, they can write it down. And you've really set them up for success. And then the fifth tip is one we just discussed already, which is engage them first before you go to your space. So those are really the five tips that are created to work with your kids' brains Mm -hmm. rather than against them. Usually what we do is we work against our kids' brains. This works with their brains. That's going to be a big shift for me because, you know, I'm such a proponent of time blocking and I was a math major, like, numbers times it makes that's a comfortable place for me and so I've been really working to do these smaller time blocks but I've always been saying you 30 minutes 40 minutes instead of when this assignment is done or when my call is done so I am excited to go change that up and how I'm communicating our our kind of blocks throughout the day because I know the time thing is a 
it's a stressor for her because timers, like we can't use timers yeah. visually with her because they anxiety. As soon as I say timer, like, nope, I, yeah. we're done. So I know I can't have visual timers like that. Absolutely. I love them for me, but they are not, not a good tool. Yes. What's going to work better. What it sounds like based on what I hear about your daughter is that if you do use the task, the rhythm of the task, brains crave closure. So if you actually use closure rather than a timer, I actually think she'll do much better. So if she's starting a game or watching a TV show, instead of saying, okay, you have 30 minutes, say you have until after this happens, like after the episode is over or after you've listened to this song. So that'll actually prepare her brain using the rhythm of the activity rather than the timer that reduces anxiety tremendously. That's amazing. And I need to, you know, you've got me thinking of ways I might change up some of my time blocking techniques for some of my clients I work with that I know, you know, anxieties run high. We've been trying a lot of different things. And I love the idea of focusing on the completion activity instead of the time. I think that's going to be an amazing win for a lot of people. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just had like a thousand dollars worth of parenting advice in, in 20 minutes here. These, I know everybody listening is going to be able to implement a ton of what they've learned here today, whether, you know, whether you're working or not, you can't spend 12 hours of quality together time, seven days a week while we're in quarantine. You've got to create space for yourself. You cannot, so. And you should not very honestly, it's not the way we're built and we don't have to. And when we realize we don't have to, we actually calm down a little bit. And we interact more effectively when we realize every moment doesn't have to be a Hallmark moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. So I know you have a wealth of amazing tools out there. What is the best place for people to get connected with you and start diving into all the resources that you've got available? So the first place I would say, I actually have a podcast as well, and it is called Your Parenting Long Game. That's probably the best place to get a bunch of free tips and resources then I'm also on social media, Facebook and Instagram as Rachel Bailey Parenting. I do have a YouTube channel, which has like most of my tips are five minutes or less. And that is, you know, it's YouTube is not as clearly marked, but if you search for Rachel Bailey Parenting, that will come up. And, and then my website, all of those yeah. in the show notes. So for folks who are you know, struggling to find those, they'll, they'll all be listed there. Awesome. And then my website, you know, is rachel-bailey.com. I have some free resources on there. And then I will also give you that free list for how to get stuff done so that you can post that for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And definitely everyone go hands down, go subscribe to the podcast, but definitely come back in the website. I know I downloaded a couple of your freebies Mm -hmm. and they're the things I'm going to keep printed so I can come back and reference often. So I can't thank you enough for being here today. Truly. I can imagine you are probably busier than ever right now. In a good way. That's actually how I'm getting through this is supporting parents. Yeah. In a good way. Well, we all thank you for that. Truly. Thank you for doing what you do as well and for having me here. Getting on top of all things time management, organization, and productivity doesn't have to stop just because this episode is over. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Megan Sumrall, or just open any browser and go to megansumrall.com. If spelling my name is a complete pain, just go to theworklifeharmony.com and grab my free time management cheat sheet. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share it.